Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hi, welcome to today's edition of Homeschooling Help with Andrea Schwartz. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Nancy Wilk. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. Good to be here. Well, it's good to be with you, too. Unfortunately, we are having some technical difficulties. Our guest today is having a hard time connecting to um, our broadcast, and I'm hoping that he's going to be able to figure it out. But let's talk about what we're going to talk about. The okay. subject is, is there a neutral perspective on any subject that we would teach our children, namely arithmetic? So, Nancy, what are most people's view when it comes to arithmetic or teaching mathematics in general? Uh, well, most, most people consider it an academic subject that's neutral. You know, so, so why, what they don't have any concept of a biblical worldview when it comes to math or why and how they would, they would connect those two things. Most people consider it necessarily separate. Right. Like math is here and God and spirituality and our faith is somewhere else. Right. So to go back to the basics of it, if mathematics is something that we must use and be able to be functional with in order to understand our world, you know, at the beginning when we hear that the two shall become one flesh, well, obviously we're talking about a numerical concept. There were two and they become one. And so numbers are inescapable. There's no way that we can live very long without having to make use of numbers, whether in terms of counting something or putting things in order. If you're going to talk about how many children you have, if you have three, like you and I both do, we have a first child, a second child, a third child. These are all concepts that are inescapable in terms of living and breathing and interacting in our world. Right. So how did we come up with the idea that it had little to do with God? Um, yeah, well, that's our humanistic mindset, I think. But, you know, um, one thing I don't think we mentioned is who our guest was supposed to be. Did we say who our guest was supposed to be? We, well, we, we did in the promo. And since he's not showing up, I guess I'm just going to have to say his name is James Nickel. And he is an author and an educator and a friend. And I first encountered him when I read his first edition of his book, Mathematics, Is God Silent? So you think about that title and you say, is God silent when it comes to mathematics? Well, the more you explore that book, I think it's a more accurate thing to say, God is screaming when it comes to our world and the mathematical things that are so clearly evidential of his design the only way you can't hear him is if you have your hands over your ears. That's right. That's right. So when you when you presented this um, this topic, you know, I thought, oh, uh, 
I vaguely remember that title. We actually happened to have it on our bookshelf. But I was, and, and when I first got the book, I thought, oh, that's, that's about history. Oh, no, that's about science. Is it really about math? And so, you know, you really have to, to look. And, and as a product of a public school, um, uh, you know, education, it, at least in my early years, and we do tend to see these things as separated. You know, wait, is he talking about science? Is he talking about history? Is he talking about math? What's this guy talking about? So, you know, when we get in there and start reading it and, and there's other um, stuff that he's done with uh, Chalcedon. So I was reading some of that in preparation for um, engaging him today. And I really hope we have an opportunity to do that because he does an excellent job of putting this, this math in, in the biblical worldview and, and understanding why we can't disconnect them in right. terms of worldview. Right. So it's a math book in a sense. It's a history book because he talks about the history of scientists and how they use math. It's a philosophy book because it's all about having a philosophy that is looking for God's hand in creation. And mm -hmm. so, um, so that book has been around for a while and it's usually one that people gravitate towards when I've been at homeschooling conventions running the Chalcedon table. But he went beyond that and for the last almost two decades, he decided he was going to formulate a curriculum that would, from the earliest introduction of these kinds of concepts, tie them into a Trinitarian world and life view that if you're going to acknowledge God as creator and that God took on the human flesh and became our savior and redeemer, and then the Holy Spirit is our comforter, we're going to see that kind of unity and diversity in creation because the whole concept of three persons in one God is really the answer to who's most important, the individual or the group. Well, from a biblical world and life view, they're both important and they're both ultimate and they're both governed by God's word. So there really shouldn't be a conflict of interests among people and groups if God's word is the foundation. So he came up with a curriculum and it's basically taking people through arithmetic and then into pre-algebra, algebra, geometry, trigonometry, and an introduction to calculus as well, that's all about as the student is learning, he's not just becoming a technician who can you know, do these particular operations, but that he understands how and why they work and, and, and various ways to approach certain things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, one thing when I was browsing the book earlier today, I noticed that he put together for us the elements of a worldview. Do you remember what those are? The, the elements of a worldview? Cause we talk about worldview, but we don't even don't necessarily recognize what that means. Right. Well, we're kind of jumping ahead because in 2019, we're going to be a whole doing a whole series like we did the series on the Ten Commandments. We're going to be doing a series on the basic tenets of the Christian faith that will then and should end up permeating anything we do and we think. And so mm -hmm. if, if you go back to what most people talk about, they talk about the three R's, 
reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I still hate it when people call it the three R's because two of those are not R's at all. Writing <laughs> begins with a W and arithmetic begins with an A. But I understood, so they actually, you know, if you do writing, arithmetic, and reading, you could come up with war, but I don't think anybody wants to call it war. Although it is a war on ignorance, right? The more you know, and the more you understand from a biblical world and life view, you are destined not to be ignorant. Mm -hmm. And uh, too many people in our day sort of pride themselves on their ignorance in as much as they reduce everything down to, well, what do I absolutely need to know to function as opposed to what do I need to understand so that I can truly think God's thoughts after him. Right. There's also a tendency and it's, it's real easy to say, well, I'm not a math person. You know, I'm not a math person and sort of excuse that and leave that to people that are smarter. But this um, Mr. Nickel in his, in his book, you know, really talked about how, you know, um, that, that math and the language are, are those things that God created that are unseen and the necessity for them and that the only reason that we can measure things and that we have this connection between this, the, the idea of one rock and one chair and one person to connect the concept, the un unseen concept with the seeing thing is because of the consistency of God, because of the, um, because Christ holds all these things together because Christ is our, um, is the beginning and end of everything. We can't disconnect anything from the truth of God and who he says he is. Exactly. And for too many parents who are homeschooling today, all they have at their disposal is um, the what they learned. And I just see that James is joining us. Yay. Very okay. good. Hi, James. Hi. It finally worked. So I don't know. We got started because we had to get started. And so I've sort of given a summary of your book, but I'm going to let you share with us what it is that you think um, especially homeschooling families, because that's who we are talking to here, how homeschooling families can benefit from the perspective you bring in your new curriculum, which I have yet to name, so you get to name it. The curriculum is named uh, The Dance of Number, and it's, uh, it's geared toward uh, age 12 to start with, and it starts with uh, arithmetic, and builds on the foundations of mastery of arithmetic and all the way up to algebra and advanced algebra. It takes four to five years to get through it. And what's unique about this is that, you know, many homeschoolers over the, over the years have used different math curriculums. And there's multiple uniquenesses about mine that's different from all that's out there. One specifically is that I, I show connections. I show how things build upon ideas, build upon ideas. With the ground base, with the ground understanding that the, that the triune God is the is the basis, the, the person of God is the basis for rationality of number, the rationality of the universe. That's that's that idea, that principle, that that living water principle is grounded throughout the text. So as you're studying mathematics, you're studying 
um, a rationality grounded in the logos of God, which is Jesus Christ. So that's the key. Okay, so what you want to say one other thing? Go on. Uh, that's one key that grounds it. The other key is that shows because Christ connects things. He's the coherence of everything in the created order. When we teach math, when we learn math, we should see connections. Arithmetic should be connected to algebra. Things you learn in arithmetic should be connected to geometry and trigonometry and things like that. So much of our math curriculum out there is, is disconnected. You learn topics, you learn skill sets, you don't see how they're connected one to the other. And that's what I think is missing big time. Right. You know, we um, for those of you who don't know it, uh, we had a long conversation on the, a podcast that I do, and we'll put the link in the um, in the comments when we're done. But math is one of those things that once people are done with school, they think they're done with math. And unfortunately, that leaves a big hole in terms of being able to do some very basic things like manage your finances, not going into debt. And then when you leave mathematics and you say, well, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't understand these things. It's as though you're giving over this whole area, science, to people who oftentimes are not godly. So speak a little bit to why this curriculum should grow a culture of Christian young people who are able to attack the sciences in a very godly way. It's because of the way the, the, the principles that are taught are connected. That's, that's another word that I use quite a bit. Is because you're seeing that, that what I'm learning in math, theology speaks to it. Philosophy speaks to it. Theology speaks to science through math. And so as you're learning the math principles, you're seeing how history is unfolded as we're learning math. We're seeing a providential view of history as we're learning math. So we're seeing all these connections. So when you leave the math class, you have what I believe is a thoroughly holistic grounded view, not just of math, but how the math interconnects with science, history, philosophy, theology. So now, one of the things I bought the book because I knew I was going to be talking to you and interviewing you. And I have to tell you, as someone who prided herself, because I taught my kids math and I got them through higher level stuff, the book challenged me because you are starting off with the answer isn't the most important thing. How about how you actually think about these things? And you had to make you made me laugh because I had one child who enjoyed finding the circuitous route to a math problem. And I used to get very frustrated with her going, why can't you just do it this way? Well, I think she's actually smarter than I am in this area. And I didn't appreciate that she was getting the answer. It would have been more important for her to see, okay, here are the other ways to get the answer. And I, I thought that was particularly interesting in how you approach the subject. Right, I don't, uh, I, I give principles, I give uh, standards to go by. For example, when you're multiplying two numbers together, there are many different, there's a basic paradigm you follow. But before you follow that paradigm, look at the numbers first and say, is there a simpler way than just doing the, the traditional paradigm? And sometimes there are little ways you can, Get it really easy. I remember my wife was walking with me down the grocery store after we first got married, and she was doing a, a little problem with 
trying to figure out something. He says, what's 23 times 17? She asked me. And it, within seconds, I said 391. I says, how'd you do that? Did I marry a, a math calculator? Well, I knew something about algebra and how the numbers 23 and 17 are connected. So I could easily see the, the product. So you want to be able to build a, a number sense in a student so they can see different ways to approach the problem and to solve it and look for the most efficient way. So you've been using this curriculum because you are developing it and you used it to teach. Can you speak to how your graduates of the program are functioning differently than maybe their counterparts? You have to ask them. <laughs> I do know. That I do know that there is a family in Seattle that used the uh, one of the prototypes, one of the different versions of this, and they were so enthused and they've carried it on uh, in their uh, studies afterwards. They went to theology, some went to theological schools, but they've always uh, drawn back to what they've learned in, in the class. It was so rigorous and so mind expanding and so mind uh, engaging that it, it impacted their life thereafter. That's just one of my family in Seattle. Now you said it starts at 12, it's geared for the 12 year old, but I would highly recommend that if you're going to introduce this to your 12 year old and you're one of those math people who basically memorized your times tables, memorized all the formulas or the proofs or whatever you did, and then promptly forgot most of it. And you always keep your trusted calculator with you so that you can make sure you can multiply and divide. I think it would probably be a good exercise for parents who are going to be teaching this to get the curriculum and start teaching themselves. Absolutely. Because what I'm doing here is I'm trying to, uh, with basic arithmetic, I'm trying to introduce a different way of doing it, a way that's taught in Japan and India. And I remember when I went to school way back in the dark ages, BC before computers, the sharpest kids in math were Japanese children, anyone from Asia, anyone from the Middle East, anyone from India. They were a step above. And so it took me about 40 years to figure out why. It's the way they were teaching arithmetic. So could you give an example? Because I, I, I know people are going, really? Oh, do I have to rethink this? So just give a, a good example of what they could do that you found difficult because you weren't oriented the same way. Well, we teach it. We teach uh, basic arithmetic. When we, when we add, we add, if we have multiple digit uh, add-ins, we add from right to left with a lower uh, place value to higher place value. When we subtract, we do the same, right to left. We multiply, we do the same, right to left. But when we divide, we start with the highest place value, left to right. Okay, if you remember the division algorithm, that's inconsistent. Most students don't see that. Most parents don't see it. Most Every teacher doesn't see how that's so inconsistent. In Japan and in India, they teach everything left to right, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. So there's consistency across the board. And when you do that, there's a beauty in the operations that are unfolding that you won't see in any other way. The way we teach it in America, you can't see the beauty. You can't see how addition interpenetrates with subtraction. And when you do division and multiplication, you got addition and subtraction beautifully interpenetrating between the two. 
But when you do it left to right, you see it. Right to left, you don't see it. So there's a beauty that's behind it as you're learning the principles, as you're learning how to do it, that you're missing. So that's uh, another uh, distinct, distinctive of this curriculum is introducing that left to right method that's taught in Japan and India. So if I may ask, and Nancy, feel free to chime in, but let me ask my question first. How is it that China and, and India developed this way and American education didn't? Is that a, um, I mean, how do you explain that? I've tried to figure it out. I, I can't see where it broke historically. You know, India, you know, the Hindus, they, were, they invented the system, okay? And they did this from the get-go as they worked with the base 10 system. So that filtered into Europe, into, through, through, through the uh, Arabic culture. And somewhere in Europe, in the Middle Ages, it dropped somewhere. And we, we lost that distinctive. And now when we teach it, we're just, we teach it the way we've been taught. I see. Okay. But when I teach this, when I've taught this, uh, this left to right paradigm, I, I call it, here in, uh, in Washington State, where I first started to teach it, uh, the students were just in, excited. They were thrilled. Give me, give me problems to do. Give me more and more and more and more because they saw how easy it was, how efficient it was, and how accurate it was. They, were, they just loved doing addition problems and subtraction problems. Ever seen that in any normal school? <laughs> <laughs> so that's Not a little really. nicer. If I had a blackboard, I'd show it to you. Right. You got to buy the, buy the text and you'll see what's happening. What's so good about the text, I think, is that I really explain things step by step so that the, the text is the teacher, because you're not going to get me personally one-on-one -on -one with this. And what's so nice about some of the curriculum out there that's available, like, for example, for example Saxon math, parents just love Saxon math. They put it in front of Johnny. Johnny just rolls through the program, and the parent can step away from it mm -hmm. right, and not get involved with it. But... In the process, they're learning ugly mathematics, if I want to be blunt. They're not learning anything connected to anything else. They're just, so they're missing that. So what, what happens now is that you need a curriculum. If you're, if you're introducing uh, a paradigm that's, that's beautiful like this, it has to be clearly laid out, explained carefully. That's why the, the, the text, the lessons are longer, because I work through the, the explanations once you understand what's going on, and then it be, it can become rote work, becomes mechanical. But you got to have the understanding for why you're doing it to begin with. Most students, for example, don't understand what's going on with long division. You know, they just mechanically go through the process. But once they understand why you're doing what you're doing, and what you need to do to do what you're doing, then then it flows a little easier. It's still different. And that probably has something to do with the fact that once people are out of school, they'll say long division. I don't know that I remember how to do it as opposed to I understand it. So, yeah. So if you haven't driven in six months and you yeah. get in the car again, you don't forget everything because it was a skill you developed and learned and used. And if you learn it right, you'll see the beauty of it. And so the beauty keeps the keeps the idea centered in your mind when you see the beauty of it. And people say beauty and the division algorithm. What are you talking about? Well, it is there. Right. It is there. I have a question, Mr. Nichols. Um, one of the 
the things in your book about is math silent. You talk about the three Christian approaches to math. And um, so it, most people think that, um, that math is neutral and separate. So that's one way to approach math. Another way to approach math is to take that same presupposition and sprinkle some Bible verses on it. But what you're giving us is a truly Christian biblical um, worldview on math and, and the fact that math is only possible because of the truth of God and the consistency of God and that he holds all things together. Would you talk about that um, a little bit, a little bit more in terms of the four objectives to your, um, to your math curriculum and help us understand why this is not just, you know, aesthetically beautiful or intellectually beautiful, but how it helps us to um, advance the kingdom of God and see that all creation declares the glory of God. Yeah, there's a resonance. There's a resonance in the way the cre creation works. That's why I call the, the textbook series, The Dance of Member. Because there's a rhythm about the way the physical world works. And the, the best scientists have seen that. I mean, Kepler and Newton and Galileo saw, saw some of that. All right. But the best scientist that, that saw that rhythm was James Clerk Maxwell. And he saw that the, the arithmetic and multiplication, addition, multiplication, division, subtraction, this is the doorway, he said. You master these these principles. This is the doorway into the beauty of the created realm, where we see a dynamic flow of relationships in the created reality. That's and from that view, which was grounded in Trinitarian theology, he was trained to understand the Trinity, how Jesus revealed the God, God the Father, and He's the Son and the Holy Spirit. That view dictated or regulated how he looked at creation. And from that regulation of the Trinity, he was able to develop his electromagnetic equations yeah. using some advanced mathematics called partial differential equations. But you couldn't do partial differential equations unless you've done addition, subtraction, multiplication, division to start with. It's a, it's a portal into the wonders of created reality. And so today, Everywhere we live, everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, right now we're using Maxwell's equations, which are held together. You know, they're 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 equations about light and the way light works. And of course, who's the who's the light of the cosmos? Jesus. So those right. so this consistency in the way the cosmos works enables us to communicate via the internet right now. What we're doing right now, see each other's face. <laughs> And Max, would have, his mind would have been blown if he the results of his work. His mind would have been just absolutely exploded because of the applications of it. But he so, saw. Apart from the aesthetics and the practicality here, what I would like homeschooling parents to really embrace as they listen to you is the fact that. If, you know, every parent looks at their child and says, you know, you're going to do great things for the kingdom. At least you hope they will. With the approach that you have to this subject, 
we can I can see the future where young Christian uh, men and women are going into areas of science and being able to challenge the atheistic, humanistic, relativistic worldview and say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Let me help you understand what has been in front of you all along, but you have been too blind to see. I mean, that's what that's what the scientific world today is crying out for. They're asking the questions. All right. And Einstein asked the questions. He he understood, for example, of this beautiful harmony of the universe, but no one gave him the answer. He interfaced with Christians, both Protestants and Catholics, and not one of them ever gave him the answer is the triune God revealed in Scripture. He's the reason for this harmony. And so even today, after Einstein, there are multiple, I have books in my office, you see all the books in the background, <laughs> written by mathematicians. And they're wondering, what's the reason for this harmony? It's so, it's just, it's stunning. They're asking the right questions, so they need Christians to come in, properly trained, into these fields of endeavor, and give the answer. And, and the world's waiting for it because once they hear the answer, it will resonate because, you know, everyone is created in the image of God. And you start speaking truth to, to that reality, there'll be resonance inside. So even if there is a politically motivated reason to shut down the Christian world and life view, which we experience today, the truth overcomes that darkness light basically penetrates the darkness. So um, what I like about your orientation in the curriculum is that you are preparing warriors for Jesus Christ and the sword is not something that's going to kill the other person. It's the word of God that would open up the world to the other person. So it's very evangelistic in yeah. terms of um, what the outcome would be. Apostle Paul, his passion was to first before, he preached the gospel to the Gentiles, but his first, the first thing he said, I want to use, I want to open their eyes, Acts 26. I want to open their, I've been given the ministry to open their eyes up to the nature of reality, of God, what God has done in Christ and how Christ upholds the, every aspect of the creator. I've been reading Colossians 1 over and over and over to get the impact of where he was coming from. And when you start seeing what Paul was saying in Colossians 1, you know, I mean, it, it's just, revolutionizes how you speak to people and how you view scientific mathematical dis disciplines and the whole aspect of reality is, is seen in a different light. All right. So we're coming to the end of our time. How do people find out more about this? How do people purchase the curriculum, which I might add is very reasonably priced because over my 30 years of homeschooling, I spent a ton of money on math curriculums, which were, acceptable but didn't end up um making life easy so for my kids see how thick it is this is a 600 pages it's, a, it's the last volume of um the algebra section okay move it more into the frame i'm not sure people are going to be as easy so you have to yeah there you go yep dance of number okay and see how thick it is it's about 60 dollars that's that in a, in a typical uh a book that size, 600 pages, is looking at $150 from typical publishers. So I chose a, a way to produce this material 
that would be most economically efficient for people who want to buy it. And I did paperback, agreed, that's that, but I have recommendations on my website on how to preserve a book like this in paperback. Everyone, every one of my paperback books in my office, all 4,000 of them, as you see part, part of them, are covered with book plastic. So they're protected. I have books that are 40 years old, look brand new. That's excellent. So give us the name of the website where they can find out more about it and then um, talk about how they can easily get it on Amazon. Yeah, my website has links. So it's biblicalchristianworldview.net. I'm sorry for the long <laughs> name. Okay. So you, you type that in and then you'll see my homepage and you'll see a, a menu option called the Dance of Number. So you click on that. And it'll bring into an introductory page, and then you'll you go into the different uh, textbooks and the ordering links there. So the the series is in is in two parts. All right. The first part has two volumes. Okay, and that's basically arithmetic, but it's more than just arithmetic. It's prep prep for algebra. It's got geometry. It's got pre-algebraic concepts in it. So that's part one in two parts. And here's part two, which is which is the algebra, geometry, trigonometry, trigonometry and advanced algebra, all in two uh, volumes. And that's part two. So you'll have two sections on my website, part one and part two. So you go to the. And then you, you'll and see. You the, have yeah. You have tests, quizzes. If you are oriented, that you're. Students want that. I know my kids always liked tests for some reason, which I thought was interesting. And then you have an answer solution so that anything, any problem that's posed, posited in the book, you have multiple ways. So here's the detailed solutions manuals. So that if you're ever stuck on anything, it's all there, not just the answers, how you got get, get to the solutions, multiple ways of getting to the solutions, what's the most optimal way. Um, so it's, it's the homework is the key because you can only learn mathematics by doing it. And so I've spent, you know, 30 years, 40 years of my life teaching this material, developing it over these decades. And so this is basically the fruit of all that research. And so I want to let students in on the delight <laughs> that doing math homework problems can be exciting and beautiful because the way they're connected to the, the way the world works. Excellent. Nancy, you have any other comments or questions before we end? Well, this conversation with Mr. Nichols and browsing his book, um, The Math is God Silent, it makes me want to be a math person again. I wish I had a, a young person that I could uh, buy this for. I think I'm going to buy it for myself and save it for my grandkids to use. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. You know, it, when I start to think about this stuff, it's like so invigorating and it, it does open up a whole new world of, of wonder and beauty in uh, the way God has created the world and, and made us to, to know and explore and to declare that to, um, to, to, to just declare that to, to others. We can't skip, um, skip net math in that um, process. So we appreciate you opening that up for, for those like myself who have grown to think of math as something neutral 
and dry and crusty. It certainly is not. Right. All right. Well, James, um, give the website again. Biblicalchristianworldview.net. If you can't, and then the books are available on Amazon that you can also order them through Amazon. Yeah. And, but if you can't remember that, just type in James Nickel on Google and you'll find my website. It'll come okay, up. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, technical difficulties notwithstanding, I'm glad we were able to get you on. And um, I hope that uh, you find that people are intrigued and that you get some more activity there uh, as a result of homeschooling families hearing that. Math is beautiful and biblical and actually fun. Amen. Thank you. All right. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.